Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Solo Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. <sighs> um, my name is Noam Twarman. I'm here with... Uh, can you get off your iPhone? I'm looking for the article. Yeah, we'll get it later. Okay. Chris, Chris Montella, uh, the great... Misunderstood. And gift, great misunderstood and gifted Dove Davidoff. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, Dan Natterman. So it's a big it's a big uh, week here at the Comedy Cellar with a big Robert De Niro performance. But uh, go ahead, Dan. Well, uh, I, I wanted to address last week there was a big blow up. We've had a few, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised to had, see you this week, Dan. I blew up last week at Noam. I offer this not by way of excuse or apology, but by way of explanation. Uh, firstly, uh, he bloody well deserved it. That's the number one reason. <laughs> and uh, the second reason is is that my own frustration, of course, bubbles out, and oftentimes. Um, attaches to know him, but I haven't had a new joke work in a while, and I've been very frustrated about that. Is that right, Dan? Yeah. Well, uh, my last new joke that worked was about four weeks ago, and I do get very antsy when I don't have a new one work because I feel like that's all I have. Unfortunately, I have to be three times as good to get half the results as everybody else, because as you know, Noam, there's a conspiracy against me in show business. <laughs> it's the only explanation that makes any sense. I've turned it over in my head a hundred times, and the only explanation for my career is... Yeah. That the word that there's somebody up there in power is trying to destroy me. You know, uh, you ever that, that you've written your last you've written your last joke? I mean, every, every no, I haven't written my last joke, but I'm I, I'm trying to write. I you understand? I have to have the best jokes because. Yeah, but I mean, like Paul, not I mean, the last joke, like Paul McCartney. You're like a black guy in the 1930s trying to get in the college. I got to be twice as good. I understand. You got to be twice as good. I at, understand. At some point, Paul McCartney wrote his last really good song. Yeah. And as he was writing it, right. he had no idea. He reached was, peak oil. <laughs> peak oil. He, he reached. Now yeah. he's reading his. Well, they could be fracking. Your last joke. Now you're fracking. I'm, <laughs> that's fracking. an analogy I made a few weeks ago. Yeah. Is that I'm fracking now for jokes, whereas they used to. When you start, you've got all the oil on the practically on the surface of the of the of the, of the land. Uh, to, and now there's no more oil. I got to frack to get so a joke. Well, fracking is my analogy. You've all heard me make that analogy, and you, not it, with regard, you take it for your own purposes. Not that's with regard okay. to jokes. I don't. No, believe not with regard to you. jokes. Well, okay. Regard, but isn't there a theory that you get better as you keep going? So you should work the opposite. Well, I no, mean, you but, should, but I've, I, all the stuff that's important in my life, experience. I've already talked about. More experience. I do the same thing every day for the past twenty years. Well, that's why you don't do jokes. That's exactly right, and that's why Dub Davidoff. Is, is, is getting married and, and wants to have a kid for I'm that very have a kid reason. For the, for, for the jokes. For the jokes. <laughs> for the you, jokes. Should, you should go to swinging clubs with him. Or, uh, or, ah, the problem is you, t you, you, you tap a well of oil and there's only only so much in the ground. And at some point you have to find a new well, a new a new a new vein, a new rich vein. Let me tell you and, something. If Dan yeah. spent like a month at those those. Swing clubs. Trapeze swing clubs. Oh, you, you, boy. What he would come he back He would with. have a lot of oh, fucking material. Word. A barrel full. And you could probably write it off. You could probably write Work it off. Related. Well, maybe That's right. so. Well, that might Two be worth doing. Two grand in condoms, $3,000 in admission fees. Exactly. Condoms. <laughs> so does he. Well, see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm also, I also, no, I also am under a slight handicap here. Um, I know I'm not referring to my uh, general uh, mental state, but um, <laughs> I, I, I am slightly handicapped because most of the money I make, I make doing uh, corporate gigs and gigs where I have to be clean. Yeah. And so, and politically correct. Now, I guess you could argue if I really made a splash as a, as a more edgy comic, then I could do theaters. But, you know, for now, I'm doing a lot of corporates and I'm doing a lot of gigs where I have to be clean. And so I have to work uh, under those constraints. So, <laughs> so talking about a swing club, although you're absolutely right, you're right on point, as you often are. Wouldn't work in those venues. It would not work at, at those venues. No, no. no. Well, uh, I'm not sure about that, but uh, you could probably you, you could probably do it in a way that it would work. But 
in any event, the point is that you need to get outside your comfort zone, Dan, and uh, yep. take a vacation. I don't, I don't know. Get a Dominican girl to to, to, <laughs> to marry you. To sit on your face. Yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> something. Uh, you need something uh, to jar you. Well, I don't. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in that regard. I mean, I, you know, it's easy to say just become irrepressible. You know, I mean, just turn it out, turn it out. You, you know, shoot an hour, get a thing, write a sketch, go on it. Like, you know, I, I mean, you're doing the podcast. It's like I, I don't, I don't know. There, there's no one specific answer, right? But if you look at any model that has worked for anybody, I mean, usually it just involves them bumping up against the wall or having a great smile to begin with. You know, I mean, Kevin Hart had it. Uh, you know, you, you understand why he connects with the public, whether or not you like him. Are you, are you indirectly saying you understand why Dan doesn't connect with the public? Is <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying that. I mean, I'm saying he's a less a less think, grinning fit. You know, I mean, it's a it's a less. You know, I mean, I think that is what you're there saying. are people who are a bit prickly. No, you know, I mean, Woody Allen was a bit like that too. I mean, there are lots of brilliant people, but George Carlin is not a guy who immediately connected through television. He's a guy who just kept writing specials. I ordered a salad 28 fucking minutes ago. Anyway, you ordered a salad. Uh, Dove ordered a salad 28 minutes. ago. Ordered a fiesta cell 27 minutes ago. So can we talk about... Yeah, yeah, go ahead and introduce the subject. Uh, now, now, according to uh, Liz, uh, Norton and Nick are coming, but I don't see either of them. Well, uh, they'll uh, be here by and by. Uh, yeah. But um, so we had, a, we had a big thing happening at the Comedy Cell this week. Robert De Niro... I was shooting that the last two days. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, about. a little bit, you know. I mean, Robert De Niro was shooting a movie about stand-up comedy, yes. and the um, the final scene, I believe, is at the Comedy Cell, and he's been doing some shooting here for a couple days. Yes. And yesterday, he actually performed in front of, front, front, both in front of an audience of extras, and then he also came up in front of a regular show audience, but he didn't yeah. really do jokes. But, oh, here's Jim. And Jim, this is Jim Norton. Yes, the great Jim Norton. The great Jim Norton. Great I was just Jim saying, Norton. And, and Jim... Got to do a scene with Robert De Niro. Yes, yeah. Jim Norton. And I saw Jim walked in here, and yeah. he was like, I've never quite... You know, there's such a thing as vibe. I can't explain why Jim looked different than I ever saw him before, yes. but he was gushing. He literally yeah. like trying to hold in a smile, <laughs> like, like, he, like he got a lollipop. I mean, he was really, really happy. That's so, the difference between Jim and me. <laughs> why? Why is that? I did a scene with Robert De Niro, and yeah. I'm not nearly as happy. What I, scene? I didn't grow up with the happiness. I was in I had a small part with uh, him and Groden uh, yes, uh, two days ago. I was happy. Uh, yeah, well, tell I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking you for being oh, happy. Jimmy's thrilled. a big film fan. He can quote lots of things. I you was know. thrilled. It was, it was fun because it was done. It was done. You know, once something is finished, you can enjoy it. Right. You know? and, and I felt good that I, we had uh, the one little scene where he walks by and then the one where he sits at the table. And it was fun to be able to improv. And I liked it because I wasn't nervous. Like, it was really weird. You yeah, think, why weren't you nervous? I, I don't know. I just wasn't. It was like uh, some things are so big, because I like De Niro so much, that you go full circle. I was doing an interview one time. Ozzy's label asked me to interview him one-on-one -on -one for this record release. And it was just going to be me and him for an hour. And it was such an important thing to me. I was so petrified yeah. that I, I went completely upside down and felt no fear at all. Like, one step backward, and I would have been immobile with being frightened. <laughs> but it was so far. That's kind of how it was with this. I, I would have been totally just, just paralyzed. I, that was fun yelling shit at him. And I know in that world, he's less comfortable than we are. So it kind of felt... That's a good point. In the world of stand-up comedy. Yeah, or mm -hmm. in the world of sitting there, and we had to yell at his character when he walked by, um, and just Taylor Hackford tell me, yeah, just, you know, if you want to come up with a line or something, and knowing I was okay at doing that, um, and I wasn't like, okay, do a Shakespearean scene with him. Right. Where right. it's all him and I'm out of my league. This is right. something I felt comfortable in. Hurling and, and insults at a passerby. Absolutely. Very, very <laughs> <comfortable>. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
exactly. Yes, ask an older gentleman how his asshole is. <laughs> you asked him how his asshole was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I asked him personally as he walked by. He enjoyed it, though. You know, he's, people are too... Hand, I, I get because of who he is, but people are too... I think sometimes with major celebrities, people talk too gently to them, and they don't treat them like people, and they hate that. I I'm met sure. De Niro once here, and would you believe this character? He comes up to me, and he says, hey, you were funny. I said, you, you jackass, I wasn't on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, add, I'm adding a few extra words that I didn't say. Yes. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you were. You were right downstairs. I said, you buffoon. He thought, he thought, he thought you were Rogel? He thought I was Rogel. Uh, That's oh, the second hilarious. fucking time that's happened. One time a stripper came up to me after his show, and she, th she said, hey, you want to hang out with us? I said, sure, I guess so. She said, yeah, you were great on stage. I said... I said, you twat. <laughs> I said, I wasn't on stage. She said, yeah, you had the joke about the two uh, wallets uh, in, your ba in your back pocket because you have no ass. I said, no, no, that's another guy that's Rogel. Oh, imagine how, if you're, you, you were disappointed that she mistaken you for Rogel, imagine how she would have felt an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that I, guy we just saw once. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, had she been more attractive, I would have said, that's me, two, jo two wallet Johnny. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I experienced the same boost that other people experience. I've always been interested in why... What is it about seeing somebody on a screen and then you get a real... I, I, I don't, I've never felt that. Well, I, I think that De Niro is one of the only actors and that, that, that people... I'm talking about people in general. I'm not talking about just your experience. So for him, it may be just an individual thing. But in general, I get a lot of that, oh, that's amazing. I don't see what's so amazing about it. I don't get it. Amazing about meeting De Niro, Meeting whoever! Well, if it's a person of, of formidable talent, that would be interesting to meet sure. them and, and talk about... Duff uh, doesn't get emotional. But I'm not talking about interesting. Not <laughs> I didn't say it wouldn't be interesting. I said it's not like, oh my god, like it's none of that energy I get. I, I don't. Well, I'm not saying it wouldn't be interesting you, you to, know, talk, well, to actually talk to somebody. I'm not making this up. This is how I've been for my whole life. So, so you're totally at ease talking to uh, uh, legendary people of legendary no, fame and talent. No, it's not about ease. It's about getting very caught up in the idea of bigness for the sake of, in some ways. If you introduced me to a brilliant musician, I would be just a, you know, it's uh, it's not a. Th he's saying fame I, I, I in and of itself. I think he's saying fame in and of itself. And I've known Dove for a while. I can't always understand what he's saying, but I think what he's—I mean? think what he's saying is—is is the fame in and of itself does not impress Dove yes. Davidoff. Yes. Well, sometimes when you're, what it implies, if you like somebody that much, if you have a personal thing with them, but that's not what I'm sure, talking about. But yeah. It, but it, it's something. Well, even if you don't like them as much, you recognize where somebody is in the business. When you're doing something with them, when you meet them, you feel like you're kind of closer to where you want to be in the business. It's, it's an elation for that reason, too. Like, but wow, you're talking about your experience. I'm talking about people in general and their experience what, of that. But it might represent... For you, it might really represent them. something. It might mean that to them, too. You know, like, I, to I don't the average know. person? It doesn't mean it represent anything with, with regard to where they are in the business. They're not in the business. Well, look, the average I, I, person. So sometimes, every now and again, people say to me, Hey, I saw you on TV. And uh, and right. I don't know how to react to that because right. thank you doesn't seem like an appropriate response since you had you didn't say I was any good on TV right. you just said you saw me on TV but I think in their minds mm. being on TV is a compliment that's what I'm talking about well I thought they said that but they said they saw me with one <laughs> <laughs> no but I know a lot of people that got into involved in this business and the reality of a set is one they're fucking boring in general unless you have a huge part they're really boring and the reality of people that get caught up in the business like oh my god I got a part. Had you put that energy into something else, maybe you would have made a million dollars. Now you've walked away with six grand in three episodes. I'm just saying there should right, be some Doug, measure. I, I think you're it. hijacking this thing here. I'm the, sorry. This, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, I, there's. I think it's, I thought it was an interesting well, discussion. No, I, it is. Of course, it is. But I'm, when I say hijacking, I mean right. that that um, you're 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 putting it into your own terms. But I, but the 
I would think that yeah. for a guy like Jim or I mean, acting to to be uh, there with one of the I was talking to say before one of the few actors that everybody kind of does recognize really has a special talent because most actors are just whatever right but this is a guy who's no, really I gifted yeah, I understand and been in half of the greatest Tremendous. movies Iconic. that have ever been made, sure. yes. you know? And then you have to be there and acting with him. It's like, yes. it's like sometimes if somebody like George Benson came and sat in with us one time, like, yes. I can't play a note. Like, you know, he's, it's like, yes. you're acting with Robert De Niro. I was, he doing wasn't it. Scary. I, I was doing it two days ago. He wasn't yes. intimidating. He was very, he was nice. Yeah. He was quiet. Yeah. He, he was not uncomfortable at all now, in that way. Yes. Now, I now totally here's the agree. question, the million dollar, or maybe I would se still be several million dollar question. Can this movie break the stand-up <laughs> comedy movie curse? And you know the curse I'm talking about. Yes, it's true. Every stand-up comedy movie has been El Stinko. Well, it didn't. So, it didn't have the look of a high-budget movie, anyway. I mean, it was shot. That can be better sometimes. Yeah, yeah but like it's well, going to be a small film. Well, then it doesn't necessarily need to make as much money to be profitable. That's but what I meant. Yeah. You know, Judd Apatow. He made all these movies. He couldn't lose money if he tried. Then he comes up with funny people. <laughs> Bombs away. Because what happens is these guys, and this is, I, I didn't even see that, but a lot of times the producers are throwing in jokes and what they think stand-up is, and they don't, they yeah. don't, when they see what comedians are really like, they don't want to portray us as a bunch of guys that just sit around fucking talking to each other that way for real. They get actors that are never mean to each other. Right. Um, instead of guys just sitting around, will you fucking sit out? Like, that's how we talk to each other. Right. If they showed that, it might be interesting. And also, it's hard to represent stand-up comedy oh, on, on stage because... It's it takes us years to come up with some of the one of their acts, and they they have some scriptwriter writing a stand up comedy act very fast, and and it's not going to be as powerful as our acts that we've worked on for years. So it's hard to put good stand up comedy in a movie. Right. I mean, but this this movie I would assume employs stand up comedians. But are as they going to use their real and, jokes? Right? Are they going to use the stand up comedians? Yes. Isn't this the movie Jeff is involved that he spoke about while he was Jeff's on? not really involved much. It's oh, okay. Jessica's a uh, big part of it now. Oh, okay. Jessica who? Jessica Kirsten. Oh, Jessica Kirsten. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, I don't know what we should say. What we're not supposed to say. I, I had yeah. to perform while he was pacing back and forth. They had a real audience there. The show started whatever time it was, and I'm doing stand up and fucking. They're like, De, De Niro's gonna be pacing in the back in three <laughs> different outfits, and they tell the audience, "Don't look at him. You have to look at Jim Norton." Oh so, god! Like really, an impossible. But you killed. Feat. It was good. I mean, I, I think I acknowledge that up front. But that was a very weird setup. I also saw something in you that I hadn't. I mean, I knew this, but I hadn't seen it in a while. That you. And, and this, this goes to, to your general calmness in general. Like You really do use the seller to work out material. Yeah. A lot of people say they do that, but they don't do that. So then last night, it wasn't like workout. It wasn't a workout material thing. It was best of gym. It, it wasn't even. And, but he, it was subtle. Like he, wasn't, he didn't like turn it on. Hey, like Mr. Show Business. But he was like a layers of room. He destroyed. I mean, there wasn't one moment that wasn't. Didn't you feel Thank that you. way? I felt good. Thank you. Yeah. It, it really did. You know, and and it was a, it was a big headwind. I mean, it's true. The, the director was you know De Niro's walking around, and everybody has to try not to look at him. And Jim doesn't usually like to play the underground, but you killed in the underground yesterday, and it was a tough and it was a tough situation. Yeah, it was weird, but I, I was comfortable with it because it was such a bizarre situation. I, I don't know why I felt very calm about the whole experience. And did they s just say do your thing, or did they kind of pre-approve jokes? Or oh, say, no, they, they just said do whatever. No, Taylor Hackford was a, a really nice, and, and I didn't like. Normally, it would freak me out. How am I being brought on? 
I was home right before that. I was only going to come down for the late show. Mm -hmm. And then Liz called me and said, Taylor's asking if you want to bring De Niro on. I literally was eating a chicken dinner in my underwear. <laughs> I fucking put my pants on, put my jacket on, took the dinner and threw it into that fucking garbage thing on the way out. And it was in a cab in less than two minutes. So I, that's what the only reason I got down there originally to introduce him uh, before the set you saw. And I didn't, it Taylor, didn't matter to me what was happening. Taylor Hackford is the, the director, director. Yeah. and he's the, he's the son. His dad is also in. No, no, he's, he's he directed Officer and Gentleman, Ray, oh, okay. he's Devil's son. Advocate, which Devil's I think is so Advocate. underrated. Oh, this guy's been around a long. This guy's no. Spring I went chicken. to I went to college with his son. That's oh, why okay. I thought. Okay. Devil's Advocate is like, like the, one of the one of the only modern great Pacino performances to me. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Charlize Theron was great, and that even Keanu Reeves. Oh, that was really yeah. such a good movie. I loved it. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, he's a nice guy. So what else? What was it? What well, was it like? And Esty did a scene with De Niro, by and the Nick way. Nick DiPaolo's oh, here. here. Nick, the great Nick, Nick DiPaolo. Come, come sit here, Nick. Hi. Come. Uh, well, let, let Nick in here. I'll get out. I'll get hey, out. Nick. Yeah, I just drove an hour and 20 minutes. Somebody's getting up. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you sit down, Nick. I'll sit and sit. So we're talking, obviously, about the, the big De Niro Nick, movie. Grab your headphones. I'm gonna. Oh, he's out of breath. <laughs> Nick is out of breath. He's, out of... he's drinking cappuccino. He's fucking doesn't... sprinted 100 fucking yards. He just had to park. It's a very challenging scenario. Explain to the audience what Nick is up, go up against. Thank you. So we're talking about uh, interactions with De Niro, how were you, you felt, uh, how you... Wait, were you last night, were you on the uh, show last night? No, I wasn't. Okay. I don't believe in stand-up comedy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to I Dan bought, about that. I bought a magic book today. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was fucking great. Wasn't it more comfortable than you thought it would be? He, he's just a shy little guy. It really is. Well, Dev, you were saying that he was like a he was like a uh, Superman without a cape. I don't know. I mean, that's a probably oft-used analogy. But no, no, that was in a different context. I used it. No, no, yeah, he's a nice guy. That's a tell's father. No, he had a cape. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He. Uh, it, it was weird. I was telling them it wasn't scary for some reason, just because it was much more our comfortable area than yeah, his. That's right. That's exactly right. And and we're sitting at the table, you, me, and SD. I mean, we couldn't have been in a more right. More uh, familiar environment and and. But what was your scene? You didn't do the stand-up comedy club scene. What was your scene? At, uh, at the table with him, at, with with uh, Jimmy and SD at the table. Oh, just and, at, at and, and Hannibal. Yeah. We how were, many yeah. setups did you have? You had a master, and then how many setups? How long did you sit here for? We weren't here. We were in the other underground. We were, we were the, it was a better the, place to shoot. I think. Yeah, the other club. We that. shot for twelve hours. Bored the. Well, you must have had a real scene then. No, I didn't have much of a scene. It was just a lot of coverage and a lot of I, angles. I had one scene. I slow danced with the narrow for like ten <laughs> minutes, and then uh, the movie ended. <laughs> it was uh, it was fun though, man. It was, was we had great. two two quick scenes, and they let us improv, and and we, me and Nick would go. Are you gonna say this? I'll do that. Okay, it was it was just fun, man. Well, exactly. The day was uh, you know, thank God you're with somebody you can trust, and yeah. and, and you know, we weren't trying. You to You don't hog. trust Jimmy. I do. Yeah, I really do. I mean, he, as an actor, of course. I mean. But he, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't let me share his beverage. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, in the context of a scene, maybe. Did, did anybody but, find uh, it interesting that this guy started his day at nine in the morning and was still working at two or one in the animal. morning? He's an animal. Well, it's called cocaine. I mean, you don't you don't think no? of, you don't think I'm of Robert kidding. De Niro doing that, right? You figured he wouldn't he wouldn't even tolerate that. Well, he's also that. seventy plus years old. At this well, that's point. The you don't have a choice part. in a twenty-seven day shoot. 
I mean, when I've worked with these guys, but you know, I, you know, you don't have a choice. You go in the trailer if you want to make that kind of money. You commit to the project. You go sleep for three hours and you go back on set. But it's still pretty amazing, right, Mr. Jalen Hall. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. No, no. I mean, that's. <laughs> I don't think it's that. You know, yeah. Well, Who wouldn't uh, work uh, all day. Nothing impressed. Seventy-two. Impress Dove. Seventy-two. Dove. Plenty of things well, impress well, me. Dove you know, Dove is, I said, Dove has lost all sense of childhood wonder. Yes, he well, has. Yes, right. Is that what but, it is? And the other I thing is, I noticed, and I, and I was a just, great actor. I'm not I saying I was not. really curious about this. He took direction. Did you know there were yeah, times? Yeah, from Esty. <laughs> yeah. Remember? <laughs> that, that, was, that was the highlight of the day. The first tell, time tell we it. ran the scene, yeah. the first time we ran it, yeah. uh, De Niro comes in, Esty's supposed to spot him or something, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, de, de, Esty delivers a line, and then uh, De Niro delivers something but, and the, the director steps in and goes, Esty, no, 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 you, you stepped on Bob's line. No, I didn't. I have two lines. And then he said this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I say that. Yeah. And the director, looked, he goes, holy shit, she's right. Yeah, she <laughs> and De Niro, I saw him yeah. snickering out of the corner of his head. Yeah. De Niro said, left. That was the highlight of the day. Esty yeah. was like fucking, I called her the uh, Elizabeth Taylor of Israel. Yeah. She's just bitching all day about her. Yeah, <laughs> how hot it is. How hot it was. How long she was. Did, she did was any, fucking great. By the way, did anybody read the script? Did anybody get the script? I didn't, I didn't even I'd get the little side. I've seen a much older version. I have a copy of the size just to have us all on a call sheet together. With I De Niro. had nothing. I, I was laying in my bed. And this is how negative I am. I'm laying in the bed the night before going, I wouldn't doubt if I got down there, everybody had sides and I didn't. <laughs> I'm sitting there. I get down here. Esty's got a face and a phone. Jimmy's got his face. I go, what the fuck's going on? I'll sure send, enough, I had. I'll <laughs> send you a photo of the call sheet. I, mean, I kind of like that we were all on the same call Nick sheet. Nick wasn't sure he wanted to do it until he knew what the scene was. He said, you want to do a scene with De Niro? He goes, maybe. Let me, let me no, know what the no, scene is. No, yeah. no. I That's didn't know De Niro. No, she has it wrong. Nick has, a, Nick has very discerning taste. You know, the guy's not just going to take a part like an animal. No, exactly. There's I mean, no I've scene with he would have done with De Niro. We want you to eat cum out of well, Chaz Palminteri's ass. <laughs> is Bob going to be there? No, exactly. Uh, if, if Bob is handing me the spoon, I'll do it. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, it was it was surreal to be there. It's not that there's no sense of childhood wonder. What I feel like is that people have been hustled to some degree by this business. The idea of thinking a set is special for the sake of, not, I'm barring De Niro, I'm saying a set in general. You hear radio programs going, we're going to give away two passes, you're going to get to sit on the set. There's nothing more boring than a film set. Oh, nothing. no, absolutely. You wait 90% of the time. And most people that have never been on a film set are like, oh, my God, if I got a movie. If you've ever done movies and you're sitting next to Groden, the guy just wants to get the fuck to lunch. Well, that's because like, he's 106. But, no, yeah. Long before that. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> it's still fun. Um, and the way they were working it, like, uh, there was one stupid word they wanted me to say. Uh, they wanted me to say views, and you can't say you're, you have a lot of YouTube views, but it's just like, yeah, your video got a lot of hits. I, it just seemed to me more the way we were talking. Like stilted, yeah. And I actually said something, and the director came yes. over, and De Niro goes, nah, but he said that it's, yeah, this is Jimmy, how people talk. Jimmy uh, stepped right up there. And, but it was, and he was yeah. fine with it. Nobody was a problem, but they seemed kind of amenable to listening to certain They're important. all nice. They're not, there's no egos on a set, usually. No. I mean, usually people are cool. Is that the whole movement now in films is what? towards improv? I mean, it, it, I don't know. Every, every, like every set I hear about now is well, realism. I think. Dog Day Afternoon won the won the won the Academy Award for the for writing, and it was all improv. That's the thing. Actually, I think French Connection was also. Yeah, right. you know. That's yeah. the way to work. I mean, like anything else, it evolved. You know, yeah, people nice used to sketch something to organic. How do you not want that? No, and then yeah. you know, Scorsese started doing a lot of that. And in the also, 70s. It yeah. you know, if you have if you have Bill Murray in a movie like in Caddyshack, you're going to get a lot of improv. Whether I don't know if Demir De Niro is a big improver necessarily. It, it depends who's in the film. Yeah, and yeah, who yeah. wrote it? Like, and you know, who's, who's doing it? Especially comedy improv well, would help. Yeah, but he did a ton of that stuff with with Scorsese, where they just gave him the outline yeah. of the. Uh, of is it? Woody, Woody Allen does that. 
Larry I'm David. excited to meet is, Michael Moore. Is, Larry is there David. an analogy anybody can think of a, of a huge star like De Niro coming in and doing them and picking the comedy seller to feature in a movie? And then we talk about it on the Comedy Cellar radio show. This, this might be new ground we're, we're in here. No, they did that with Titanic. Did they? Yeah, do? sure. Was Groden around? That dude's a character. No, is he in this too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't Groden. get the script. Like I said, I got a text I sat all day next to him. All day long. Yeah, he's a fucking pilot. <laughs> Not a lot of icon. Yeah, no, no. When he was 30, he was a miserable yeah, fuck. And yeah, I exactly. love him. But yeah, I mean, yeah. No, excellent actor. Funny he guy. Is tremendous. Funny dude. The director invited me to submit music for the soundtrack. Oh, wow. He, he didn't promise I'd use it. Right. Cool. Are they going to use uh, Last Train to Clarksville? Are they going to use what? Last, last Train to Clarksville. He didn't do it to USD? All right. Let's go. But, but that's, what, that's how open and nice they are, you know? He's like, yeah. anyway. Yeah, they were, they were nice. The so do you know a... this guy, Richard Stratton, the, dr the drug smuggler? I do not. Dick Stratton? He's here. We're going to bring yeah, him Okay. Uh, no. I'm not familiar with him. No, but I've interviewed a lot of uh, drug dealers. Yeah, he's apparently he's a famous drug I, we, When you were in here once week, uh, one week, Noam, we did interview the guy, uh, Billy Hayes, I believe his name was, from, oh, the, from Midnight, Midnight Express. Express. Yeah, the real dude. Oh, I, miss oh, wow. I, think, I think Jim was the guy who suggested that. Really? I talked to him, yeah. And, uh, we've interviewed, he's I mean, a lot of Frank fun, a real Lucas. nice guy. And uh, the escape scene was completely different than the one you saw in the movie, according to him. We, so they allowed us to, to bill Robert De Niro on the lineup last night. Yeah, I heard. And then at the last minute, Jim says, "Oh, Daniel says he's going home." I'm like, "Oh shit!" Oh, so they, we, we, uh, we, we talked to him for a while after we were done shooting. He sat there with us for like 15 minutes. Yes. and just chatted. He was. He really... gave us both a hug at the end. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the story is we we had to take the cover charge off everybody's check last night. No, we didn't have to. Have to pretty fair. I, really? I decided to do that. Yeah, because I felt because Daniel didn't do stand up. Right. I heard and he was that's what everybody was expecting. Yeah. And I, and we uh, thank God because Liz was telling me like we should you should jack up the prices. Daniel, yeah. you can, you know you could charge less. Oh, no, yeah. no, it's just well, charge I, isn't there something with SAG that you you mean they all have to be approved in the audience? I mean I don't know how that you know. No, they, they weren't that, shooting. That wasn't being filmed. No, they were not that part. They weren't going to shoot. He just went up and talked to them for a minute because he was tired. And I God, thank them for coming. So. And I think that's fair that you. Hey, here comes a homeless guy. Be off. careful. This way, they got to see De Niro for nothing and watch his show be taped. They got to see Ryan and they got to see uh, Ida Rodriguez and Shang Wang and fucking Greer. So Shang Wang. That was a, that was a dicey set. Yeah. Which one? You mean he went out there and he said, yeah, oh. bit, You mean she went out there and did hickory dickory You said it was a dicey set. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. so, it, and, and it was late. It was supposed to start at 11 o'clock. It started at like 1230. Oh. I figured we'd just, we'd just take the cover charge off and not even... Uh, well, uh, we shit on Tuesday. It was 12 hours in the ballroom, in uh, Edison Ballroom in Midtown. And they had, you know, 200 extras or whatever. And two, he was doing the scene from the podium all day long. Did he, did he do stand-up there, too? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I heard he was very funny at the roast. Who, who who wrote the stand-up? Jeff I, I Ross? I don't know. No, he's out of it, isn't he? I, heard uh, he's I don't know. I have no he's idea. He's pulled out of the project. I have no idea. So, I mean, some of the roast was funny. You, you think this movie is uh, good for the seller? You think it's going to... Uh, uh, yeah, listen. Uh, well, yeah. Any, no, anything that promotes the brand is always good for the seller. Yeah. Don't you get it, Noam? God has his eye on you. Yeah, because I think you need <laughs> yeah. more people down here. I haven't seen yeah, it. I've fucking What, are you going to stack people on their shoulders now in this place? Chris Rock came in yesterday and then went over. Did he hang out with De Niro? Yeah, well, he was upstairs with Questlove for a while, and he went in and said hello to him. But it's so funny. When De Niro's in the room, nobody cares where the celebrities are around. Yeah, exactly. He was with uh, Edie Falco, and then he was with Leslie Mann and Chris Rock, and everyone is just like, there's people in the way of De Niro viewing. No one cares whoever else is in the room. Yeah. He's, he's one the of a very, Italian very factor. small group of uh, celebrities. Right? Someone Prince told me that yeah. years ago. Him like, and Steve Gutenberg. Even, <laughs> even on a set, people stare at him. Gene Simmons was there from Kiss. 
And they're one of my longest standing group of idols. Like, I love Kiss, man. When I was seven, my first fantasies in life were about Kiss. I used to fantasize that Kiss would show up to my apartment with their costumes and their makeup, and they would beat me and hurt me and throw me down the stairs and then hug me and love me and make it all better. I don't expect you to relate. I've told that story many times. I've never had an audience member go, I hear you. Hey, Bob Kelly, what's up? So I, uh, I went to see Kiss at the Garden, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, man, I get pretty starstruck most of the time, but uh, my friend knows Gene, and she snuck me backstage to get a photo, and I couldn't talk. Like, I shook hands with all the band members, and I tried to say hello, and my mouth wouldn't work, and I am standing in front of my childhood idols. They're all behind me, and Paul Stanley reached around affectionately for the photo and put his arm on my shoulder. I was so starstruck, I took my stupid head and went, How homoerotic is that? I rested my head on the bicep of a shirtless man in heels and makeup. I swear to God, if he would have kissed my neck, I would have went, <laughs> Paul. Yeah, it's funny, it is weird, because, and, and because he's such a normal dude. I mean, literally, the guy couldn't be more normal when you're around him. Well, he's shy. I mean, he's painfully shy. No, but I'm shy. saying, but, but there are a lot of guys that are painfully shy, but they don't have that aura. They don't have that, like, uh, iconic kind of thing. Johnny Depp seems like uh, he would have that aura as much as is possible. Johnny Depp, like, every time I see him being interviewed, he's, he's always, like, in this weird, spacey, cool yeah, guy he, mode. Yeah, like, no, exactly. Hey, I want to smack him. And he with a slight yeah, English De accent. De, De Niro's not pretentious. He doesn't put on airs. He's a, he is what no. he is, and he's a... But I gotta right, believe but there are lots of people that aren't pretentious. I nah. got Bob Denver. You don't I got to so? believe... Uh, <laughs> big, big stars? Well, well, that's was not never what makes people want to stare, is that he's not pretentious. I'm saying, what is it about somebody that makes people want to stare? I guess it's just all the roles, right? Yeah, it's all the roles that you've well, internalized yeah, growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, seeing, they're seeing the guy from Goodfellas saying, hey, you're going to put up... You know, they're seeing that guy. From, from right. Main Streets to fucking The Godfather? Right, right, right. Uh, he's Fox? contributed. Godfather <laughs> right. too. Yeah, he's contributed. Look, if some I, great I mean, movies. when when somebody's part of your life, if I met Rob Molly Ringwald, I would probably be starstruck because uh, she's she like 185 now. She oh. well, but she represents such an important time no, in my I'm life kidding. before she's the not. before some of the before darkness <laughs> fell. <laughs> before darkness fell. <laughs> my last couple of good years before it all fell apart. <laughs> That's so, what she represents for me. For so, Molly. Molly does. Yeah, 85, 86. That was for me. That was before it all came crashing down. Uh, <laughs> Two decades ago. I know, it's been Christ. a long time so I've been in this hole. It crashed when you were 11? No, I was like 16, but no, 17 is when it kind of got did, out from under me. You did, Nick, you did a big scene with uh, uh, Giamatti, right? Uh, Paul, Paul Giamatti. Well, I mean, he was in, it was, uh, that was the 12 Angry Men thing, so it was more of a, uh, what, what was he it? like? To, to, was he was great. Ensemble. He, he was as cool as a, you know. We were talking. He goes, hey. He goes, we're standing next to each other. Yeah. He goes, my agent keeps sending me every role I go offer. I'm an asshole. I go, yeah, me too. You're, and apparently yeah, yeah. you're getting the roles. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he he's a hell of an actor, He was dude. so cool. And he, after he goes, hey, after my big scene, he goes, hey, man, you got to fucking do more of this shit. Yeah, he's having, he's having a great year. Who? Giamatti, De Niro, who else? Uh, Todd Norton, Barry, uh, <laughs> no, that, yeah. Kevin Brennan, yeah. uh, and the Kevin Brennan yeah. story, and, yeah. Dan. and now this radio with Dan. No, and 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 Horace and Pete Louis thing. It's I mean Edie Falco, Alan Alda, Steve Buscemi, 
Jessica Lang, yeah. Paul Giamatti last year uh, didn't air. I'm just you know. That's <laughs> amazing. I was shooting that. Uh, I got lucky. Yeah, last week and it's not uh, luck. and t- and All I was right. shooting that that show today. I met De Blasio. De Blasio came. Why did you, you, well. you just rain on my parade and fucking? No, stuff. no, I'm not raining on your parade. I'm just, I was telling. I'm, I'm you know I'm on a fucking radio. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love De Blasio. You know, the blood. Oh, yeah, don't, no. don't get Nick started. Fuck no, no, it. I just don't need to meet the guy. Fucking I don't like him politically, so but he couldn't Hasa, be a sweeter I mean, guy. Uh, Mustafa and Hatem came in. Yes, yeah, so Mustafa was here last night. Mustafa what time last... did he come? I didn't see Mustafa. I saw Hatem. He, he was uh, right before the show. He, he was here when, with Hatem. I saw Hatem. I saw Hatem hitting a Jewish guy. Both of them. Both of them are leaning towards Trump. Yeah, exactly. And neither of them were offended by wow. Trump's anti-Muslim yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's smarter than you. smarter than the average fucking stupid American. I mean, because Jim, Jim's a Trump supporter, Nick's a Trump supporter. Yeah. He won me over. I wasn't from the beginning, but right. fucking after, after seeing, are uh, we going to get into this? Let's talk well, about no, something. Well, always figures out a way to do it. <laughs> I was damn impressed with that transition. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good, baby. I love the tension between these two. Yeah. When, well, when I'm in the car, I laugh my balls if you guys Because Nick said to me yesterday, he has his own radio, his own show now, podcast or radio show, whatever it is. He says, I promise not to talk about politics, but all he wants to talk about is politics, right? Yeah. And I identify yeah. with it. First of all, it's new every day. It's interesting. It's what the whole fucking country is talking the about. The whole world right now. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, Trump is apropos. Jim, you right? talk about it on your show, right? Yeah, we do. It gets a little boring sometimes, but I mean, we, yeah, we, we gotta he's in the news. It. I yeah. mean, it's hard not to. I'm only doing an hour and I'm by myself. I'm not, there's no guests, no phone calls. Anyway, I, I so think I it ramble. might be interesting for people to know that these, that two Muslim guys, well, they're, they're I, not even second yeah, born, yeah. born in Egypt and in <laughs> Palestine. <laughs> yeah. Both of them like, yeah, you know, I get it. There's a real problem well, with they, Islam. Well, Trump's just they Muslim or not? Yeah, that's yeah. apropos. Yeah. That's, big time. Yeah. that's not, that, that's apropos, but it would be better if maybe we invite him to come in, say, in a week or two. Okay, we can do that. And say, here's what do you know? Well, now say here's our former. Uh, what did Hatem do here again? Well, Hatem was the door guy, <laughs> and Mustafa, Mustafa w- well, went from ha- being a waiter to the door guy to Dave Chappelle's n- manager and negotiate. He's oh, the guy that's who, right. He negotiated Dave Chappelle's HP. I mean, uh, Comedy Central deal, the one <laughs> that come. Really? Yep, the one that come that on, Dave walked that, out on. How was that not a movie or a TV show? He negotiated that. He negotiated that. Could you meet my agent, Al Shabab? They, uh. <laughs> <laughs> about, talk about immigrant story. You know, he came here with nothing. Starts as a waiter in the olive tree and finds himself. And he leaves with nothing. Yeah. Million dollar yeah. deals and in Comedy Central. And after they've walked out, he's back to nothing. And he sued Chappelle, and then they're friends again. Yeah. We should bring him on. Yeah. Wow, he's sure they are friends again? Yeah, they're friends yeah, again. Yeah, that's a show. Somebody that's walked out on me, they wouldn't that's be my friend. That's a fucking movie yeah. right there. Yeah. Not a Jew mentioned in the whole thing. That's kind of weird. Feel, yeah, yeah. He feels that the reason uh, he, he does stuff like that, he says, because Americans are soft. They are, they're entitled, uh, yeah. and, and if, they, if they feel they have to work hard, they feel that's, that's not, it's not fair. Uh, yes. That's what he feels. He's bing, that's bing, why bang. he was able to do it. Check mark, check mark. That's why yeah. Steve Fabrican is going to be out there <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. forever. <laughs> so we're going to bring Stratton? What's his name? Yeah, when you get Stratton, you guys. You guys okay. uh, we have this guy. He's a drug, uh, former drug uh, dealer, and they... And he had done some prison time. No, Noam found him. I mean, it seems like an interesting cat. No, right Noam found him. Noam found him. Noam found him in a park. He's giving he's him right money. Behind you. No, uh, do you want me to get up and he can sit here? Yeah, that's, cool. that's, that's fine. All right, Dub. Well, that was Dub David. Right, God up, bless. And, and we'll see you. Uh, you can see Dub in the upcoming movie with Robert De Niro, <laughs> which I forgot the name of it. Dub's a good actor. Dub is one of the best. Yeah. He's not a good actor. He's one of the best. You ever look at your friends and think? How bad were things with me when I met you? You know, like, how bad did I feel about myself when I thought you'd be a reasonable person to share experiences with? <laughs> this guy's still, like, he's an hour late. Every time, every time I see him, he's always late, you know? And, and, and 
He's an hour late and still blames. He'll blame it on his horoscope. Could you imagine an adult male blaming something? I go, Mike, you're an hour late. He goes, what do you do, bro? He goes, I'm a Capricorn. I was like, what the fuck did you do? Could you have I thought you were, oh, oh, I thought it was because you were a fucking idiot. I didn't realize we should check the moon before making plans. With, like, and, and then, so I opened the, I looked in the paper and I looked to see, to see, like, is there any legitimate significance with regard to horoscopes? And there may be, ultimately, some zodiac significance, but it's very broad. I look in the paper. Every horoscope applies to every person. Every single person, every horoscope. It's literally like, ooh, Virgo. You know, this weekend you don't like uh, to, you don't what you don't like to get hit in the face. As a Virgo, you know, you tend to shy away from a cheek slap. As someone born in September, when people beat you in the face, you tend to not wanna. You tend to. It's not for you. As a Virgo, it's ow. As a Virgo. You know. Also, Libra. If you fall asleep, if you're camping and you fall asleep on a snake. You're gonna wanna roll away, Libras, because as a Libra, venom for you in the face, a, a face venom for a Libra is not for you as a Libra. You tend to experience it as toxic, as someone born in October. My friend, uh, Stephen Calabria, a writer for the, for the Huffington Post, um, called me uh, uh, effusive and gushing because he said, we have to meet this man, Richard Stratton, who was a drug smuggler, and an author and has had uh, um, uh, profiles written about him in, in New York Magazine and things like that. So uh, welcome to the show, That's sir. Thank you. Now, you're sitting uh, at a table of greatness because we've had one of the best here on this show. Uh, you're familiar, of course, with, uh, what's that guy's name again? <laughs> Which guy? From Midnight Express. <laughs> Bobby. Oh, uh, uh, Willie Hayes? Billy, uh, Billy yeah, Hayes. Uh, Billy Hayes. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, one of the best. I, w I want to specify that I was a marijuana and hashish smuggler. Talk a, right into the mic. A, a cannabis smuggler. So I don't know if that makes me a drug smuggler anymore. Since it's no, exactly. virtually <laughs> it's legal. Right? What, what kind? Well, first of all, what year did you start uh, smuggling drugs? I started in the mid '60s when I was a student at Arizona State University. I started smuggling like a kilo or two back across the border from Mexico, bringing it back to Boston, which is where I came from, Wh selling oh. it to my friends and making what then was a lot of money. Southie? Were you? I, I, I know Jim Ellis, but were you aware at the time of what the penalty you were risking was at that time? How, yeah, and at that time, actually, it was quite substantial in those days. But I will say that when I was sentenced here in New York under the continuing criminal enterprise, the Kingpin Statute, I was facing a minimum of 10 up to life Ugh. with no possibility of parole. Had I been sentenced two years later, I would have received a mandatory life sentence. And in fact, wow. two guys were just sentenced to life with no parole up in Syracuse, New York, for smuggling pot. It's still on the books to this day. I, I what, yeah, what that's method? crazy. What method would you use to get two kilos across the border? Well, in those days, it was easy. We used to just hide it behind the, the door panel in this, my roommate's truck. But then, you know, years later, we graduated to we were using planes and boats, and then planes, planes, yeah, yeah, and then we started doing. Like you flew on the planes? Yes. Wait, did you write a book called Adventures on the Marijuana Trail or something like that? No, I wrote a book called Smuggler's Blues, which is just out right now. Just came out. I always love a good drug book or drug any yeah. story is always good. Bob and as you may not know, because we don't know each other, but I just I'm a little late to the party, but but I'm I'm starting to watch Breaking Bad. 
And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Well, Breaking Bad, <laughs> I'm very familiar with that show. It's but, a really so, interesting show. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. So you actually flew on the plane <laughs> from where to where? Well, I flew from several planes from Jamaica into the United States, from Mexico into Did, the United States. Were you States. the pilot? No, I was like a co-pilot. I always had hired pilots that I worked with. And Did you ever work with Barry Seal? No, but I know who Barry Seal is. What about Sullenberger? Why, why would you fly on the plane? Why wouldn't you, I would think I, w I would want to have as little risk to myself as possible. Well, you know, I think I've, I've often said I think the reason that I did what I did was because I was an action junkie and I enjoyed the, the adrenaline rush of it. When I was really a freshman in college at Arizona State University and I smuggled that first two kilos in across the border, it was such a rush. It's like gambling, really. It's very similar to the kind of adrenaline rush that you get. So it's not the money? The money was secondary. It was really mm. secondary. It was all about that excitement and living on the edge and how that becomes really addictive. What's the time that you came close to getting caught but didn't? There must have been a time where something almost went wrong and it just you just missed getting busted. Well, it happened several times, and I ended up getting busted. I got busted in 1978 on a big hashish case here in New York that we ended up beating because, interestingly enough, the DEA had stolen the load and sold it to some other people. So when it came to them having to produce the load, and we knew they sold it because I was living in the Chelsea Hotel at that time, and these dealers that I knew kept coming to my room and showing me my own hash and saying it's on the street. People are selling it. So we knew when they arrested ah. us that they couldn't produce the evidence. And my lawyer said, where is the hashish? He kept going, where is the hashish? <laughs> and they couldn't produce it, so they had they dropped the case. Wow. Is it the Chelsea Hotel? Is that next to Gotham Comedy Club? Is that the, is it, was El Quixote Restaurant there in those days? El Quixote Restaurant, yeah, that was my hangout. Oh, I, I've eaten there. It's a wonderful you else? No, it's just interesting to hear how, how, how many ways of avoiding prison there are. Like, there's always, you know, we recognize our own drugs on the street, and they couldn't produce the drugs. How many guys wish that had happened? Like, what a lucky way that is to get away at, with. And, and at, now that at your peak, what kind, what, what kind of revenue was, uh, was going back and forth? Well, the last trip that I did, the one that ended up being the focus of this trial here in the Southern District of New York, was 15,000 pounds of hashish Oof. that we brought in from Lebanon. From Lebanon. We brought, yeah, we That's brought it stuff. in. We brought it in in these dates. I bought like a million and a half kilos Yoo -hoo. of dates in Iraq and shipped them <laughs> overland to Beirut. And then we hid the hashish in under the dates and got it all in. In fact, they never seized any of it. But I got arrested on what they call a dry conspiracy. They arrested the Lebanese guys a couple years later, and they ratted me out. And the feds brought me to trial, and they charged me under the continuing criminal enterprise statute. My end alone on that trip was $5 because it was basically wow. a $15 million wholesale trip, and I made about 5 It's all cash. All cash. Obviously. Now, where is, it, where is it buried? <laughs> Did a RICO try? <laughs> Can I ask, gonna bury you. how does a college student get, like, get to the point where they're in Lebanon, you know, what, to what you just described? What's yep. kind of the trajectory? Do you go from Arizona State to this? So after having smuggled a couple of small loads of marijuana in in the early 60s, I became basically a freak, a hippie. Grew my hair, and then it was like, there was this kind of hippie highway that you went on when you went to Nepal, you went to Afghanistan, you went to India, trying to find the best cannabis that the world had to offer. And then we started using these suitcases with false bottoms in it and smuggling the hash back into the United States. And then as we got bigger and bigger and bigger, then we came boats, sailboats, 
airplanes, and finally what we call the commercial smuggle, which was where you would go to a country and buy a product that was in demand in this country and then hide the hash in there and actually take it right through customs. That last one that we did landed in Newark and went went through customs. Yeah, you never people don't smoke a lot of hash in America, do they? It's no, more of a European drug. But in the we ended up having to sell a lot of that in Canada, actually. So, Canadians so love hash. You're, you're how old? Uh, how I mean, old am I now? Can I ask you that? Yeah, seventy. Seventy years old, and you're free. I'm old and free. And you've had an amazing. Do you have any? Would you do it all again? I mean. You must, you must have had fun a every very day very good of question, by the way, no. Well, you know, what I would have to say about this, and we've just been talking about this, we were right as far as cannabis was concerned. You know, I was one of the founders of High Times Magazine, oh. and we knew back then that ultimately we would come to this day, that this whole reefer madness was, in, was, was madness. And that marijuana was not the dangerous drug that. Well, now hold on, I'm going I'm to correct you there for a second because I, I one time I freaked out on marijuana. <laughs> uh, I'm a del- I have a delicate constitution. That's that anecdotal, Dan. Yeah. You can freak out on marijuana. I'm not saying that to. you can't, but it is also a very beneficial substance to. My a father lot of smoked people. every day of his life. So. Yeah, a lot of people smoke every day of their lives, you know, and it, it, it has not done anything. Bob Marley was, and look look at uh, Willie Nelson. There's a guy who smokes a lot. Of Do you still animals. smoke? Do I know? I don't smoke. How much time did you do? I did eight years total. Okay. I was sentenced to 25 years here in the Southern District of New York, but fortunately for me, the judge said, the reason I'm giving you so much time, because I argued, it's only marijuana, judge, what are you doing? She said, the reason I'm giving you so much time is because you refuse to cooperate with the government. He didn't rat nobody out. Good for you. didn't rat anybody out. And the guy that they were looking for was Norman Mailer, who was a very close friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting circle of people. The hippie godfather. So. And now there's a, there's a TV show that's uh, that's in the works. There is a TV show, and the book just came out, Smugglers Blues. I'll keep keep uh, yeah sure. Well, hyping yep, that. You know, and I will say Breaking Bad's a fast, fantastic show. The first three seasons I thought were great. Then it started to go a little bit downhill, but you know, it's hard to maintain so that pace for five seasons. But I'm telling you, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in season five now, and I'm still pretty pretty you, uh, hooked. It's on. fun. Yeah, just, just, but, so you do regret it or you don't regret it? No, I don't regret it. You don't regret it. I don't regret it. I didn't even regret the eight years I spent in prison. It was a fascinating experience. Really? Did any, any, anything terrible, any, any, any horrible things happen in prison? I, I think prison has just got to be the worst. I mean, Where uh, were you, upstate? No. no, I was in the federal system, so oh. I started out in Lewisburg, and I did see uh, a guy Lewisburg. get stabbed to death in Lewisburg, and there was a lot of, oof, there was a bad shit that happened. I mean, the Aryan Brotherhood, and you know, there was a lot of negative stuff, but ultimately... They left you alone? They left me. You alone. didn't. You weren't forced, forced to join the Aryan Brotherhood. No. Yeah. How did you? How did you get what, away? What from year doing was that? that, Richard? When you were at Lewisburg? Lewisburg was '84, '85, and what? then from there I went to Petersburg, and from Petersburg I went to Ashland, Kentucky, and then I went to Raybrook. The feds move you around as your time starts to uh-huh. go down. Why What's the do trick that? to being left alone in prison? You know, the thing about prison is, your your currency in prison is respect. If you treat other people with respect and you carry yourself with respect, by and large, people will leave you alone. I remember I was locked up originally with these guys that were part of the, uh, the um, Brotherhood of Eternal Love, which was a bunch of guys from, they were white Rastas that were smuggling pot in from Jamaica. <laughs> and when I met them, they said, look, stay away from gambling, from homosexual activity, and drugs. If you stay away from those three things in prison, you're going to be all right. Yeah, but that's all the two fun out. you can have. Jim had two out of three. <laughs> Sometimes it's forced on you, isn't it? So I had to give up my girlfriend. I had to give up pot. <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
So uh, if you carry yourself uh, like you're not going to take any shit, but you're not trying to come, the people usually won't bother you. That's right. Yeah, but now yeah. now if, like, Jared uh, from Subway recently, because he's in there for uh, child yeah, molestation, they, if you're a child molester, you do get fucked with, I imagine, no matter what you do. If you're a child molester or you're a rat or you're an informant, you're, then you're going to have problems. No question. I probably would just tell the warden if people hassled me, and I would let them know that I'm friends with the guards. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be sure to get killed. <laughs> Demographics have changed, too. Uh, yeah. do, do you, so, so with all, what do you feel, I'm curious, what do you feel about legalizing other drugs? Do you think they should legalize I heroin? I think they should legalize all drugs, yeah. All drugs. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's a, it's a law enforcement issue. It's really a medical health issue. And you know that, but by, by, I mean, I think that they've—it's even been shown that marijuana use is going down in those states where it's legal. But but now, now I think mm. you, you may be onto something with legalizing drugs. But we will, as a society, think of what we'll lose: Breaking Bad, Scarface. Uh, some of the greatest films and TV shows of all time are based on drugs being illegal. That's true, and it's—I mean—it's a great, interesting, and fascinating world. But I mean, it was a joke, but it's also uh, true. <laughs> yes. but when you I mean, if I feel the same way about Hitler. Did a lot of bad, but look at the film and TV. <laughs> I disagree with the bad part, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I like his old stuff. It's great fodder for, for, for writing. Certainly, it's, it's uh, worked well for me. What about women? What about women? With, with, with women and uh, Arizona and that, State. Is that a big Come part of the, of the drug kickpin lifestyle? Well, you know, actually, there were. I mean, the girls were incredible, but the most fun I had in prison was when I was here in the Metropolitan Correctional Center, which is the federal holding facility that's right over here. There are women in that jail, and in those days, you could actually have little meetings with these women from time to time. Really? So, yeah, so that was... Would you have to pay a guard? In prison by, Sex in jail, I've written You'd have to pay that. a guard, right? You pay the guard, or you just get a job down mm -hmm. in the kitchen, and the girls are down there, and... That's where the was, knives are. It was interesting. That's where the knives are. You, pr you probably lower your standards, though, when you're in jail. Like a girl that you might not fuck out of jail, you'd in jail you. <laughs> yeah, like a girl named Dave. <laughs> That's true. But there were some hot ones in there, I must say. Oh, there were. Yeah. Puerto Rican guards. And by a show of heads, has anybody here done time? Uh, Nick? No. Hey, I did one, that? That's I did, not that pre... I did one night. That's not that fucking stereotypical. One night for what? One night. I was on a, during a radio stunt with Lewis Black. We oh, spent yeah. the night in jail together because we were naked girls on the bus and they pulled us over and we had to shit. That was the worst part was not having a comfortable place to shit. Well, you know, the worst part of it, and I've still have to say, where, where I was, they, they would inspect your asshole sometimes two or three times a day. I mean, that would, okay. <laughs> no, I don't like my asshole fumbled with. Yeah, like we, we joke about it. Two or three times a day? In some of these places. Just to fuck with you. Did any guys try who's to get the, frisky? Who's the warden, Paul Lynn? <laughs> <laughs> Did any guys try to get frisky? Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, but I'm serious. Like, will you have to like put your foot down and go, no? No, you know, I had a, a situation once where I was up at Otisville, which is right here in New York, and I was on my way to the recreation yard in the morning, had a pair of shorts on, a T-shirt, and this guard comes running out, and he grabs me, he stops me, he says, are you wearing underpants? <laughs> I looked at him, I go, what? What are you talking about? He said, have you got underpants on? I said, well, who wants to know? And he goes, the associate <laughs> warden just asked me to come out and check and see if you got underpants on. I was like, what are you, out of your mind? You know, he just wanted to see. And right. I said, yeah, I got underpants on. So I had to pull down my, my pants, my shorts, and show him that I had underpants on. Because apparently they had women guards that were coming into the institution, and they didn't want guys walking around with their Johnsons hanging oh, free. Oh, okay. Uh. You know, they didn't want the women guards to get too excited. 
But wow. Okay. So, oh, he didn't want to see your dick. He was legitimately had to ask. Okay, I thought that was just a ruse by him. I'm like, what a, what a clever move by the guy. <laughs> That's the absurdity of being in prison, man. Yeah. When they can ask you if you got underpants right. on and right. look up your ass. That's that's how bad it gets. What is the thing? There are guys that actually fuck the female guards, and wh- how does that happen? Where where a guy can can talk his way into a guard's panties? I mean, that's got to be an well, amazing. Well, you know, there was actually here at MCC, the the female guards were running a prostitution ring for a while. For oh. 200 bucks, they would come into your cell after lockdown and, you know, give you a blowjob or whatever oh. whatever your choice was. But so. if you're a male guard, it's very dangerous to fuck females because they save the common and they threaten to sue you. Yeah. That's a it's dangerous happened. thing. So yeah. a lot of sex in jail is a... It's rape, right? It's legally considered rape if you're legally, a male guard. But, we always but every female guard now on TV is gay. Every, every episode of Lockup I watch, it's oh. always like a, you know, butch... Type. Thanks. We yeah, we, uh, we in comedy we're all stand-up <laughs> comedians except for Noam and uh, Kristen, but uh, we make a lot of well I do anyway uh, a lot of uh, comedic uh, uh, hay out of the uh, whole prison rape thing. I know is that hack everybody? No, we did it with the De Niro scene uh, yeah. <laughs> in the movie yesterday. Yeah. But but uh, how exaggerated or not exaggerated is that? I think it's kind of I think it's exaggerated. Look, I was in the federal system and people will say that it's worse in the state right. some of these state institutions, but. I think there is a, a lot more talk about it than there is actual rape going on in prison. I mean, look, there are obviously a number of people who are locked up who are bisexual, for lack of a better, and, and because there's only men in there, they're fucking other men. But if you're not into that way of life and you make that clear, they're going to leave you alone, Even by and large. it's not a way of asserting power over another guy? I'm sure that that happens, but I don't think it's as widespread as it's made out to be. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the fear factor of trying to scare people out of going to prison. Yeah, I'd be more afraid of uh, getting beaten up. Beaten up? Yeah. Can I just ask, when you, um, once you were locked up, did, is that when you decided, okay, that's it? Or is there a time where you thought, I'm going to start, you know, once I get out, I'll kick it up again? Or was that pretty much ended your career? Well, the interesting thing is that I was a writer before I went to prison. As I said, I was involved in the founding of High Times Magazine, and I had written for Rolling Stone and other publications. So always in the back of my mind, there was this idea that ultimately I'm going to write about this. And that I was very interested in the whole political movement of ultimately legalizing marijuana. So when I got arrested, I thought, and it was a very dramatic arrest. It happened out in Los Angeles, the whole... I was in this hotel, and I was walking through the lobby with a guy that I thought was a friend of mine. And oh, all of a no. sudden, I see these guys leaping uh, over the, the, the desk and pulling guns, and they were all around us. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is it. Now I'm going to prison, and I'll go back to doing what I was really supposed to be doing all these years right, and right. writing. So Did you write in prison? You must have wrote I a ton. Do you did. guys right? I wrote a novel that got published in 1990. No kidding. Yeah. Do you guys feel that? like all needed, of a sudden like a real man sat down at this table? <laughs> hey, fuck <laughs> you, man. <laughs> I just fought Rush Hour un- traffic to get here, Coxon. <laughs> do you, you feel that way? Like, all the well, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> that, no. Well, it's amazing how we ask men, like prison guys who've been in prison, we ask these like fucking girly questions. Did they try to touch your hiney? <laughs> 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 It's a world well, we you know, can't uh, comprehend. I mean, are your definition of a, a man is somebody who went to fucking prison. No, I don't think you just mean prison. I mean, the taking risks, living with yes. the risk oh, of physical danger. Look, you're a creature uh, of That's suburbs. a different question. Uh, yes. Uh, all, I mean, just... I don't need this guy to make me... Are jealous of his I life? Need, yeah. uh, I don't need this guy to make me feel like not a man. If you can change a tire, you make me feel like not a man. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just to go That's back how far to your down question. I am on the, on the scale. 
that jealous. There was a lot of temptation was- after I got out to go back into that world. But then again, when you're facing life with no parole, if I had been busted again, it would have been automatic life. I, I uh, married actually um, a woman by the name of Kim Wozencraft, my first wife, who had written a book called Rush about... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, she was an undercover narcotics cop. So, and she'd gone to prison. So we had that... Wasn't that a movie eventually? It was. Yeah. We made a movie out of it, yeah. J- Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee, right. Yeah, hell yeah. of a movie, too. Yeah, a uh, what was the movie. name of that film again? Rush. Rush, Rush. baby. Oh, good movie. That sounds like a good movie, baby. Yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, but, no, you're quite right. You are a creature of the suburb, and it's... That's what you are, but but I did a night no prayer. I've been, yeah, I've done, done. Well, no, I mean not time, time, but you know, I mean, I was I was arrested for felony assault. Not just the prison. It's just it's I was just arrested li- for felony assault. I cut a dude's uh, head open with a, with a blade. Yeah, just just living a life of, of danger, really. Yeah. Let's be honest, you were a barber. Physical danger. Uh, no, no, it's real shit. Your but yeah, no, no. Well, yeah. you know, I have performed for all black audiences. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is somewhat of a dangerous component there. I, are you familiar with stand-up, by the way? You know, we have a club right downstairs if you'd yeah, like to go. You seem sure, like a yeah. mild-mannered guy. and Yeah, he's, uh, he's got the bearing of a military man. Yeah, he's he's hard. He's what we call impassable, I think. Is that the word, Noam? You have a good vocabulary. I don't know that word. <laughs> Maybe I, may, I might have made yeah, it up. We thought I, of that as a large mountain. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> impassable. You, you seem very, um, thoughtful. you know, thoughtful and, and measured. Well, thank you. I but, but, take that yeah. as a compliment. Well, he's a writer. Of waters. Well, he's a real man, and you're half a But I wonder if you've ever been to a comedy, a stand-up comedy show. He doesn't want to watch uh-huh. a filthy comedy. <laughs> you can go, you can take him down now. You want to take him to see? You want to take him to see the? Sh- yeah, I'd love show? to go down and see the show for sure. Be our, be our pleasure. Great. All right, we're, we're just about out of time. I would be remiss, known by the way, as, as artists. This affects uh, the, the 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 Screen Actors Guild uh, after President Ken Howard died. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. From Ken White, Howard, Ch- White Shadow? White Shadow. He was a SAG oh. after president. Him and Joe Garagiola, you know, they come in threes. <laughs> but uh, so he, he uh, we're all in SAG, I believe. Well, Noam's in the, uh, the uh, Shish Kebab Union. <laughs> 77, 71. <laughs> Noam is the Hummus 205 local. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in memoriam. Uh, he was 71 yeah, he was years old. The Baba Ganoo 6902 <laughs> local. Uh, <laughs> right, Teamsters. So, uh, so, so what do, I want to just know if we, we can just ask, a Teamsters. Where, where can we look forward to seeing this show? Well, what you can lo- do is buy the book. Plug the book again, the title and everything. Smugglers. Smugglers, Smugglers, Smugglers Blues. That's it's also out a right George now. Thorogood song? Yes, it is was it, a George Thorogood Is it available song. on Kindle? It is available. I don't know if it's available on Kindle yet. And are you going to read the audio book? I am going to read the audio book. Uh, that ought to be He's awesome. got a great yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Say, you'd be great. Yeah. And uh, there was a big piece in Gilbert the Godfrey Sunday do it. Sunday Daily News, a big two-page <laughs> spread about the book. Which about the book. Kind of cool. Wait, so, but the, but the, the, so the TV show is still in like development, or is that yeah. it's I development? Did a, I did a TV show called like Street guy. Time. I don't know if anybody ever saw that. It was on Showtime for three years. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Starred Terrence Howard and Rob oh, Moore. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. My I, wife used to watch. It that. was about parole and people coming out of prison yeah. on parole. Yeah. I created that show and ran. I was a showrunner. So ultimately, wow. Smugglers Blues. But you know, now because of the success, the huge success of Breaking Bad, right. the networks are like, ah, oh, there's too much drug stuff out there. We're not really interested. Well, in too much drug stuff is a phrase I've never uttered. <laughs> oh, I'll tell Actually, you that. I have one other. I question can't get enough you. of that shit. <laughs> Would you rate the average IQ? of the people that you were associated with to be higher or lower than the average IQ of people in other businesses or things like that? Well, the, the particular group that I was involved with, which was called the so-called hippie mafia, was mostly white, uh, middle class 
people who had been involved in psychedelics and in cannabis smuggling, they were a different category of criminal from, say, bank right. robbers or. Uh, Are they, but they were bright guys. Thugs. Bright guys, very bright guys. But, yeah, exactly. White, white guys. Didn't say white. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but people that are, that, that are good at that generally tend to be. I think it's a, a pretty much like other curves in other businesses. Right. The people that tend right. to be better at the thing are generally relatively and I think bright. That's people. what I would right. think. They'd have to be pretty bright. To, I've to, been around drug deals, yeah. And marijuana, I would think, is a little more rarefied than, Metric say, your system. crystal meth, even though Walt White notwithstanding, who is a... I'd say it's the opposite. I would say marijuana. You would, you would, would say be, marijuana is low end IQ wise. No, 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 no. I'm not saying IQ wise either one. I'm just saying there's a lot of uh, marijuana. Marijuana is half the cartel business. I thought you were saying that, that no, there's less business. No, I was saying that marijuana people probably are smarter than your, your crystal meth people. Why is that? Well, I just think of marijuana as just sort of a, a more uh, high-end no, 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 kind no, of thing. No, 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 not big-time marijuana smuggling. You're talking about guys selling, you know, nickel bags on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's a different breed. But big-time marijuana smuggling, you get locked up for a long time. Well, you do, but it does tend to attract uh, Oh, yes, yes, of course. Are, uh, yeah, uh, right. A higher yeah. right caliber. Of yes. Yes. So, yes. You know, yeah. the thing about Apparently it is Dan it requires Nadman a great right deal of planning, <laughs> yes, he is. planning and logistics. And that was the fascinating part of it. That's what I it was like playing chess, but with real life and moving yeah. stuff around. Trying to figure out how to get 15,000 pounds of hashish from the Bacaw Valley in the middle of a civil war in Lebanon. To, to yes. Gloucester, Massachusetts. These, these guys are talking about sets. I'm explaining to them that I'm not that impressed with actors. I'm not that impressed with fucking show business. There was an, oh, you're raining on the thing. That I'm impressed with. Do you know why? Because it's impressive. He didn't hit a mark and take cashews real well. You need to develop a board game. Or, it's or, tremendous. Or, 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 These are the yeah, people yeah, on this country. Game, a game, video yeah, games. Yeah, the people a, in this country are always <laughs> hollering about show business. It's not well, that no, fucking no, impressive. We, we, no. well, well, first of all, people, people in this country do love drug dealers, too. Breaking Bad is... Listen is, to me. Is, Breaking is, Bad uh, is a thing, and the guy's getting autographs in the street. You could be a fucking retard, fall off a television set, and people are like, can I get an autograph? But the, you can win a war in Afghanistan, and nobody knows who you are. Listen okay. to me. I'm, I, I know what I'm talking about. Okay, Go we, ahead, We're out of time. We have. We went a few minutes over just enough time so they can cut out Dan's remarks. <laughs> about the movie. <laughs> I want to apologize about my remarks about the movie. I didn't hear anything. I just was trying to provoke a conversation. This, this was, this was, it this was really a, a pleasure to meet you, really. This is a masculine experience. An actor plays a guy. Everybody's what? talking about him. He's the real guy that what they're playing. You, Richard, yeah. what was your that major? It bothers me. De Niro played him. What is this guy? Give up in the last three minutes. Fucking guy. I got excited. What was your major at Arizona State? English. Oh, was English? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. French literature. Uh, but <laughs> actor. Plays the guy. Everybody's no, jerking no, no. off an actor. Well, we're all, I don't People think. People got to get perspective. I don't think anybody Bob would be. a smart guy. He I don't was. think anybody <laughs> would, would be unimpressed with this gentleman to my left. Listen to me. People are jerking off goofball actors. I'm not saying great ones. I'm saying in general. You've got real men doing real things that we should attribute some of that reverence for, okay? Go go, go ahead. I'm right. Now go no, ahead. I, I, I see your point, but I think it's overstated. He's got a, he's got a John Voight quality to him. To yeah, him. that's very good. Uh, John well, Voight. Massachusetts. I'm from the North Shore. Uh, Wellesley, believe it or not. From Wellesley, a yeah. rich suburb. I know. No I know. shit. I have no excuse for having <laughs> chosen a life of crime. No, maybe that's the exact Excuse. Your excuse, your excuse is, your excuse is you're a real man. That's why you didn't become an actor. I love you're that. a real man. Hey, take it easy. Okay, sorry, well. Nick. My I bad. I played football for a couple of years. <laughs>